For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What is up? Welcome back to the Sports Ethos, Atlanta Hawks team coverage podcast. Formerly known as Hoop Ball Hawks, we cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, recording live from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm recording this on August 11th, Thursday night. I had a birthday just passed. I just turned 29. As I say, 30 juniors. So blessed to have a birthday pass. Another year on this earth and big things are coming with this show and for me personally if you guys follow me on Twitter, which I hope you do on Twitter, I will plug that at the end of the show. But just graduated with my master's degree from Troy University in strategic communications and emerging media. A long road, a long, long process. A lot of you guys who follow me on this show knew I was in school and working while doing this show. And now that school has finished, it's time for the next step. So Personally, I will be working on that, and I appreciate you guys' support and encouragement and the congratulations that I got on Twitter. Um, it was really special to, for me and my family to see that love and that admiration from you guys who support this program, but you know I couldn't leave you for a long time, so took some time off, been traveling, but I am back to talk, of course, Atlanta Hawks. In the last episode, we had Boss Man, which, shout out Boss Man, thank you for coming on the show. He talked about realistically where the Hawks fit in the Eastern Conference. And it was a harsh reality, a dose of reality that Hawks fans do need to hear whether they want to or not. We're not quite there yet. Uh, Murray, you know, coming and you guys have seen him <laughs> with the programs and his antics. But that dog, that toughness. That's going to bring to the guard position defensively and offensively. I love what Murray brings to this team. But I still felt this offseason, we really did not take a step forward. We made a lateral move, as I said last episode. And because we didn't make another move after the Murray trade, that was a blockbuster trade that everyone was expecting or maybe Travis Lincoln management was alluding to. We really haven't moved the needle. We improved in the backcourt, especially defensively, getting another ball handler creator who's tough-minded, who's going to really do great things on the point of attack defensively. But because management did not make another move, whether it was Collins or someone else on this roster. Now, 
there is a lot of pressure on some returning players to make things happen this year. I mean, a couple seasons ago, Eastern Conference Finals, two games away from the NBA Finals, potentially losing to the eventual NBA champion Milwaukee Bucks. Last year, take a step back. A lot of injuries, a lot of other factors played into that. But first-round exit against the Miami Heat, being out-coached, out-played, out-classed in that series, it was tough. We were dealing with injuries and whatnot, but that was a hard dose of reality that we're not necessarily there. So the Hawks didn't make some moves this offseason. Herter's gone. Gallo's gone. We have Murray. We added Justin Holiday, Mo Harkless, Aaron Holiday. But there's still some questions on this roster that these players who are still here at the moment are going to have to rise to the occasion. And this episode was sparked by an article written by our friend, Glenn Willis. Shout out, Glenn, if you're listening to this episode, who is a contributor for Peachtree Hoops and wrote an article recently, a few days ago, which great article. Please go on PeachtreeHoops.com and check out the article. It's a great read. Very poignant, very spot on, and very telling about the importance that this franchise is putting on DeAndre Hunter this year as far as for the success for this Hawks team this upcoming season. And it was a very in-depth article telling about the different production from DeAndre Hunter, his injury history that everyone knows of, which got me thinking... There's a lot of pressure on DeAndre Hunter, and I'm going to talk about it. But there's a lot of pressure on some other pieces of this organization, too. So I compiled a list in no order. I will tell you which one is the most important to me. But top five most important people, personnel, whatnot, could be a coach, could be the general manager, you know, player operations, could be star player, rotational player. But these are people that... I think are very important to the success for the Atlanta Hawks this year. And we're going to start with the article that Glenn Willis wrote about DeAndre Hunter. Now, Hunter, a lot of people can agree, did take a step back last year. Did he show flashes? Yes. But he was not consistent, whether it was consistent production or consistent as in being healthy and being available. Those Two things have plagued DeAndre Hunter in this early part of his career. But his potential is there. And it's why the Hawks were reluctant to even add him in any trade conversations. It's what got him out of the Utah sweepstakes early on. Their unwillingness to add DeAndre Hunter. I know the Spurs approached him. Other teams have approached the possibility of the Hawks trading away DeAndre Hunter. And the Hawks were hesitant in even considering it. And I understand, high draft pick. He was the fourth pick in the draft when he got drafted a few years ago. So you have a lot of stock in DeAndre Hunter, higher than obviously Herter, who is no longer on the team, and even higher than Jalen Johnson, who was the first-round pick, and A.J. Griffin this year, another first-round pick. They're putting a lot of onus on DeAndre Hunter, that his improvement, and they're banking on this being a a full offseason for him. 
He's going to be healthy. He went into the offseason healthy. He's been working on his game. Can he improve? And before Murray was traded to the Hawks, I talked about how it's really imperative that he learns to put the ball on the floor and create for himself a little bit more in others. Now that you have Murray, that pressure has been taken off of DeAndre Hunter. Because of the defensive prowess of Murray, and this Murray trade, and Glenn Willis talked about it in the article, the Murray trade really benefits DeAndre Hunter well because they complement each other. And, I, and he thinks, and I tend to agree, that Murray's going to help Hunter offensively and defensively. Removing the pressure of him being able to, or lack thereof, creativity offensively. You have another guy alongside of Trey Young who can help create opportunities for you. And then you have a guy who is really good defensively at the point of attack in your backcourt going against, you know, the best ball handler on the other team, which may have been Hunter's assignment. Now Hunter can fully focus on the best three on the other team in any given night. That's some pressure taken off of DeAndre Hunter. But outside of the pressure that Murray is taking off DeAndre Hunter, this is a contract year for DeAndre Hunter. He wants to get a potential extension. And at this point, with the lack of availability, and I talked about it two episodes ago, Keldon Johnson getting his money four years, $80 million. I don't think DeAndre Hunter is worth that at this point. This is a proven year for DeAndre Hunter. He has to be the guy. I don't think he needs to be the, and I'm just going to go ahead and say, Trey Young and Murray are going to be your top scorers this year. Bogey is probably going to be your third scorer, if not John Collins. It's going to be those those four players, Collins, Bogey, Murray, and Young, are going to be your top four scorers. Hunter, I feel like, has to give you 16, 17 points per game minimal. He has to. He has to improve in the mid-range. He took a dip last year in the mid-range game. And Glenn Willis talked about attributed to, you know, defensive coverages, forcing him to create more, and that's not his role. Not really comfortable in that role. He did improve as a three-point shooter, but he needs to be more comfortable creating for himself offensively. That's the thing that he needs. Now, like I said before, Murray and Young will help with that. And it's going to be on the onus of the coaching staff, too, to create more offensive sets. That's going to get DeAndre Hunter the ball off of screens and maybe even give him some catch-and-shoot opportunities or allow him to take advantage of mismatches, which he didn't do as much last year, and get into the paint, get to the free-throw line, score in the mid-range, things like that, things that I always talk about on this program of penetrating and attacking to open up the three-ball game for some people who may not be elite three-point shooters. Your threat of your mid-range game and getting to the basket will help you beyond the arc, and I truly believe that. But this is a very important year for DeAndre Hunter contractually, professionally, and Now, I don't think he's the most important piece as far as for the Hawks' success this year. But with the lack of depth at the wing position, he is very important. He has to be effective 
and consistent in the minutes that he gets. He has to be available. He has to be healthy. He has to go out there and perform. I mean, just looking at DeAndre Hunter's numbers last year, he dropped in points per game. He averaged 15 points per game the year before, 13 points per game last year. Steals, wash. Assist numbers went down. Rebound numbers went down. Free throw percentage went down. Two-point percentage went down. Three-point percentage went up. But his attempts went down. His free throw attempts went down. So offensively, he took a step back last year. And the article is great. As I said, read it because it does attribute to things that you may not have thought of as far as defensive coverages for him and then putting the onus on the staff for creating opportunities for him as well. So he's going to be very important this this year for the Hawks because of the lack of depth. We're going to need him to be the guy, solidify himself and be consistent night in, night out on both ends of the floor. And I repeat, both ends of the floor. You're going to have a healthy Capella, Collins next to you at this point, Murray. You're going to have some pieces that's going to take some of the pressure off you defensively so you're not just on an island. Without Murray, obviously, the years prior, the obviously Trey Young, we know what he's not defensively. And the two guard that has always been next to Trey Young since DeAndre Hunter has been here had not been known as defensive stoppers, which put a lot of pressure on DeAndre Hunter. You have Murray. It's going to help defensively. It's going to help offensively. Now it's time to take those steps to get back to where you were the year prior to last year. So DeAndre Hunter is going to be very important. But this next piece, I'm going to go ahead and say is the most important. Most important. Coaching. And I'm going to really focus more so on the moves that were made in the coaching staff this offseason. Nate McMillan is self-explanatory. This is an important year for Nate McMillan. Why? Because of the stress from the fans. You know, first year, you take over as interim, you get to the Eastern Conference Finals, teams gelling. Hey, we want to run it back. Last year, took a step backwards with injuries and going into the offseason, short offseason, players don't have time to develop over a overinflated sense of we have arrived at some complacency from certain players on this team. Internal drama caused this team to take a step backwards. They started off slow, had to fight back, fight back, fight back, and they fought to the end, which I don't think gets enough credit because of obviously where we were in the Eastern Conference Finals and then first round exit last year. I get that. I do. But for them to fight all the way back, once they finally got healthy, is overlooked. But yet, people are going to place blame on Nate McMillan because everything is so hyper-focused in today's age. Everybody's on social media. Everyone has a phone. Everyone can talk, give their opinion. Enough people say the same things. Pressure mounts, and now the franchise hears it, sees it, and then it trickles down from the top to Nate McMillan. So now a lot is on his shoulders. This is a big year for him, and I agree. He does have his shortcomings as a coach, whether it's duly noted from his game management that we saw last year. 
you know, getting out coach, lack of adjustments in game, lack of adjustments game to game, an out, outdated philosophies, whatever you want to call it. There's a target on Nathan Millen's back. But I want to focus more on the coaching moves this offseason. We lost our lead assistant, Chris Gent, to the Lakers. He's going to go on with ham staff for the Lakers. So the Hawks have to make some moves. They promoted within Joe Prunty to their lead assistant role that Gent just left. He's been in the league, for those of you who don't know, since 96, been on seven different franchises, even under Coach Pop in San Antonio, where he was part of three championship teams. He's been part of some really good teams after San Antonio. He was on the 2006 Dallas Mavericks team that made it to the NBA Finals and lost to the Miami Heat. They had a young D. Wade that went crazy. Older Shaq, Gary Payton in that team. It was a fun team to watch in the fun finals. But he was on that staff. He was on the staff the next year with the Mavs. They had the best record in the NBA. And then lost to the We Believe Warriors. After three championships with the Spurs, real bad luck with the other team in one of the other teams in Texas for Prunty. But that's all experience. He's been there. He was on staff with some good trailblazer team in Portland. He won back-to-back 50-game seasons while on staff with Portland. He's been an interim coach. He's led teams at the helm. And when he does lead teams, and we even saw a small sample size here in Atlanta last year, his teams usually play with a faster pace offensively, and they had an improved offensive rating when he's been at the helm. He's an offensive-minded coach, and he's been a part of some really good offensive teams in his tenure. And he's going to be tasked with making all this work offensively, integrating Murray. Obviously, you already have Trey Young, who is ball-dominant, high-usage player. DeAndre Hunter, which we just talked about, his importance improving this year. John Collins, who was underutilized, and we're going to talk about him a little bit later. But if he's on our roster, we got to use him and the others. It's a lot of pressure on Joe Pronti to make it work with the current personnel that this team has. And offensively, we took a step back in offensive firepower this offseason, losing Gallo as a bench scorer, trading away Kevin Herter. We're focused more on the defensive end, which is the area that needs to improve the most on this team. And that's what we invested in this offseason. But I'm interested to see what's going to come from camp in preseason what things are they going to do differently offensively to integrate Murray and as well as look at the current roster, look at everybody's strengths, weaknesses, and putting them in positions to be efficient across the board and make everyone better offensively. We already know how good of an offensive team we are efficiency-wise and offensive rating-wise, but some other pieces, another ball-dominant player coming into the fold, you lose some depth which means some players have to step up. What is Joe Pronti and the staff going to do going into this year? Because you can't repeat the offensive sets from last year. You're going to have to scrap some things, really evaluate this roster, and see what we can do. I mean, he's worked with great players. He's worked with great players. Tim Duncan, David Robinson, Tony Parker, Manny Ginobili, Dirk Nowinski, Jason Kidd, prime LaMarcus Aldridge, Pre-injury Brandon Roy, Andre Miller, great point guard in this year for a lot of years. 
Kyrie Irving, Giannis, Middleton, Devin Booker. Those are a lot of great players that he's worked with. And not to mention, if you go through the roster and see some other players that he's worked with who are now coaching. So high IQ type players that he's been around. He has experience with a lot of players on a lot of good teams that he can fall back on, evaluate the pieces that this Hawks team has on this roster and really put his stamp on this offense that, as I said, is already efficient. Hopefully, some better offensive sets will come for John Collins. And we and I mentioned some great point uh, power forwards that he's worked with. Maybe he can infuse some of that for John Collins to help him out. He's worked with great guards. And now you have two really good guards. Obviously, Trey Young, one of the best in the league. And Murray coming into his own, had, having an all-star year last year in San Antonio. He's worked with some good bigs that were focal points of the offense. David Robinson, you know, Tim Duncan, and other really solid centers that were not focal points of the offense. So he's kind of seen it all. So it's a great promote for the Hawks, but it's a lot of pressure. He has his work cut out for him, like I said, especially after losing Gallo and Herter. And then the hire this year, Mike Longenbardi from the Sacramento Kings, who is more defensive-minded, He's been on championship teams, as I mentioned, the 2008 Boston Celtics with the big three and the 2016 Cleveland Cavaliers down 3-1, one with LeBron. Cleveland, this is for you. Coupled with a defensive-minded coach in Naaman Millen, and this is the area of focus that they've been focusing on the most this offseason with the Murray trade, getting Justin Holiday, Mo Harkless, Aaron Holiday. Moving on from Gallo, who we know his incapabilities on the defensive end and limitations there. Herter, who improved defensively, but you had to make a move. And as much as it was tough to see Herter go, we made a move and got better defensively personnel-wise. And there's players that Longombardi has worked with. He was in Sacramento before this. So, hey. How can he get this group to buy in defensively? What will he do? What impact will he have on these players? What will he do with Murray and Hunter, Hunter defensively? How will he utilize slash hide Trey Young? John Collins is on our team right now. What is he going to challenge Collins to get better defensively? What, what, what have you seen in our film that you can get more out of with our players to buy in on that floor? defensively. You know, you have Capella, Okongwu, as I mentioned, the players that you're familiar with who were in your system, Holiday, Harkless. He's been a part of some teams with some good interior defensive players, which is something I'm interested in to see how he's going to challenge Okongwu. You know, Jalen Johnson, Capella, Kaminsky when he gets his minutes, John Collins, how are you going to challenge your front court players to really anchor down and defend and protect that paint? That's what he'll be tasked with doing, which as important as Joel Prunty is going to be as far as infusing Murray with this offense and putting his stamp on his push to pace type offense. Longabardi has a tougher job and I'm going to be really interested to see what he does there. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about some other important pieces for the Hawks success this year after this plug.
All right, and we are back here on Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks. I'm going to talk a little bit more about some very important pieces for the Hawks' success this year. Next player, a lot of people are excited about. I am too. I'm glad he's still on the roster. Onyeka Okongwu. Played less games in his rookie year. Obviously, he was coming off an of injury, had shoulder surgery the offseason prior to the 2021-22 NBA season, short offseason too. But even though he played less games than his rookie year, which he came in with an injury then too, he improved across the board. His minutes increased last year. They went up eight minutes per game. So he played in just under 21 minutes a game last year. He shot 69% from the floor, which is an improvement. Shot almost 73% from the free throw line which was a 9% jump from the year prior. He averaged three more rebounds per game and improved in the offensive glass as well. He improved in blocks per game, points per game. And again, this was off of a shortened offseason where he had shoulder surgery and he wasn't able to really build strength, add to his frame because obviously his shoulders, <laughs> it's going to limit what you can do. But this is the first fully healthy offseason that Oyeko Kongu has had in a minute. He already challenged himself and told management when he comes back, camp, he's going to have a jump shot. That's what he's going to be working on. And here's the thing about Okongu, why he's so important. He has an opportunity, depending on which lineup, to start, come off the bench. He's going to get early minutes because, I mean, his usage and his impact when he's on the floor, he's going to be heavily utilized and should be heavily utilized. But if he can improve offensively, get a jump shot because it's here's the numbers. His per 100 possession numbers are really good, like really good. And I'm going to tell them to you right now per 100 possessions last year, Oyeko Kongu again, per 100 possessions. So every hundred possessions, he averages 19 points, 14 rebounds, just under six offensive rebounds in that time frame, three blocks over a steal and a half. And again, that's per 100 possessions. When you compare those numbers to Clint Capella, the starting center for the Atlanta Hawks, which you all are familiar with, outside of Capella's rebounds per 100 possessions, which is absurd. 21 rebounds per 100 possessions. That's just elite. We know what a healthy Capella can do on a glass. That's not a surprise. But outside of rebounds per 100 possessions and points per game slightly for Capella, it's decimal points. Oyeko Kongu is better at everything else. Now, again, a healthy Clint Capella is vital for the Hawks as far as anchoring them defensively and being a menace on the glass, which we know what Capella can do. But improvement from Onyeko Okongwu, who's going to come off your bench, and depending on which lineup and who you're playing, could start at small ball five or maybe the four, depending on what he improves at as far as jump shot-wise offensively, could land him with more minutes this year, whether it's alongside of Clint Capella playing the four, whether it's small ball five next to John Collins or in a lineup where Hunter's playing the four and Okongwu's out there. 
Okongwu's development this offseason with the lack of a wing depth on its team and also, as I mentioned, the loss of offensive production from Gallo, specifically in the front court, is going to be very important, which is why Okongwu is a very important piece this year. Continuing to take steps forward for the Hawks to have some success this year, especially defensively. We already know what he can do. But improving offensively off the bench, when you have Bogey coming back from injury, you don't know what you're going to get from Jalen Johnson or how much he's going to play, which we're going to talk about him a little bit later. And the other rookie, A.J. Griffin. But he's very important. This next player... As long as he's on this team, we have to utilize him. John Collins. Um, you know, beating the same drum at this point. You guys know how I feel about John Collins. In last year, everything dropped statistically for John Collins. Injuries were to blame, and just overall scheme and how we were utilize him. Those were big issues to why Collins numbers dropped. And it was almost as if the rumors of trading Collins caused them not to use him as much, which is only speculation. I'm just throwing it out there. But when you look at John Collins numbers, points per game went down, blocks went down, field goal percentage went down, free throw percentage went down, three point shooting percentage went down, but rebounds and assists went up. You can watch the film. You can see how they just relegated him to catch-and-shoot opportunities, weren't getting him the ball in the, po- in the post as much. As I said, just wasn't really utilizing him as much as prior years. But certainly he's an impactful player when he gets his touches. He is. He's that glue guy in the, in the locker room. He's willing to do whatever it takes for the team to help them win. And we're lucky that's his personality. Because we've seen statistically when he gets his touches and field goal attempts, 12, 13 or more, he's usually a high production type guy for this Hawks team. And those numbers have steadily been on a decline the last three seasons. Now, as I mentioned, Joe Prunty has worked with some really good power forwards in this time. So I'm really interested in seeing how him taking a step up in the role, being an offensive minded guy what he sees and how he will put his touch as far as how to utilize John Collins as long as he's on this roster. As long as he's on this roster. If he's going to be here, Hawks, we have to utilize John Collins. I don't know how many times I got to say that. We have to use him if he's here. Now, as I mentioned, Murray and Trey Young, they're going to be your top two scorers. Bogey, whenever he's back, will be a very key piece and the, the lead scorer for our bench unit. That's what he's going to be. We saw when he was moved to the bench last year, how his numbers were. He's perfect in that role. Six man, instant offense off the bench. He's going to probably be, he's going to be definitely in the top four scoring for the Hawks. And it can also be mentioned that if he was in that role the entire season last year with the numbers that he was putting up at the six man position, he could have been up for it running for six man of the year, but that's just me. But back to Collins, he has to be utilized, which is on him to continue to improve offensively 
and defensively as well, but it's on his coaching staff as well. We need Collins as an 18 and 19 point per game score, get his nine rebounds per game, continue to improve on the defensive side of things alongside of a healthy Clint Capella, a healthy DeAndre Hunter, a newly acquired Murray. And you can argue with those three pieces I just mentioned, Hunter, Capella, and Murray. Collins and his buy-in defensively could be the difference in this team making a, a slight improvement defensively and a big jump defensively. It can really be argued. Because like I said, Murray, we know we can do defensively. Hunter, that's been his calling card. And I've already mentioned Murray's presence is going to take some pressure off of Hunter defensively, which means maybe he will flourish a little bit more. A healthy Capella, we know we can do in the paint. If Collins can buy in defensively and we utilize him more offensively, if he's going to be here to stay, because look at his athleticism. Okay, we know what Trey Young isn't defensively. We know that. And I thought he did make a little bit of improvement last year, but the numbers will say otherwise. But with those three other players that I mentioned, if Collins buys in defensively, is going to really improve this team defensively. And if you haven't engaged Collins offensively, I think it helps propel the Hawks a little bit higher than the expectations that we mentioned. Ninth in the East. Maybe that gets you to eighth. Seventh. Who knows? Defense is going to be the key for this team to improve. And as much as the Murray acquisition is going to be great for that, Collins and his usage it's going to be really important, too. And so the last thing I want to say as far as players or who is very important to this Hawks success this upcoming season. It's going to be the Duke boys. We know how the Hawks recently just love getting players from Duke, particularly forwards. And I'm going to talk about the two forwards that are still on this roster from Duke, Jalen Johnson, and A.J. Griffin. With the lack of depth at the wing position, those two guys, although young, and we know Nate McMillan's philosophy about playing young guys. We all know it. You guys complain about it. I hear it. I see it. Blah, blah, blah. I get it. But this may be the chance for you guys' gripes to maybe finally be quelled because of the lack of depth at the wing position. We're going to need them. Jalen Johnson and A.J. Griffin, I'm going to say this again. We're going to need them. We're going to need them to be available. We didn't see either of them in summer league. AJ Griffin with the foot, and obviously Jalen Johnson had the non-surgical procedure done on his left knee as he was dealing with tendonitis. So we did not get to see him in summer league, which was a bummer. It was tough. I wanted to see them out there. Everybody did. But because of the skill set that each of these players bring, depending on their maturity and their buy-in day one. How quickly they improve, get assimilated, mature, and gain the trust of Nick McMillan, which is going to be the most important thing. Their skill sets are going to require them to get some minutes off the bench. I, I truly believe that. Their skill sets require it. When you look at A.J. Griffin, the first-round pick this year, if he buys in defensively to the scheme for the Hawks this upcoming year, whatever that may be, Whatever they're going to do to improve it, 
If he can go in day one, he's a high IQ player and really work at that end of the floor. Because we know offensively what going to bring. As I mentioned multiple times this episode, the lack loss of production from Danilo Gallinari and Kevin Herter is going to potentially call for A.J. Griffin, if Nate McMillan can trust him on the defensive end, to get minutes and be a very vital part of that bench on the offensive side of things. We know he can shoot the three ball over 45% from three at Duke. Catch and shoot. Putting the ball in four, getting some separation, shooting the three ball. You know, using his frame to get to the rim and finishing the mid-range, finishing at the rim. As I mentioned, he's high IQ. He can be streaky, but when he's on, he is on. Offensively, he can help this team day one with his ability to stretch the floor and shoot the three. He can do it. Defensively is where we're going to have to see something from him. If we can get buy-in from day one and improvement, practice to practice, preseason game to preseason game, regular in, regular season NBA game to game to game to game, his minutes could increase, his role could increase, and he could be a very vital player part of this bench scoring the ball because of the lack of depth at the wing position. Mo Harkless is going to be probably listed ahead of him because he's a vet, but, and I'm going to just say this and I'm going to be frank. AJ Griffin is going to play more damn minutes this year, eventually than Mo Harkless. I don't know if Mo Harkless is going to be here mid season, let alone finish out the year. AJ Griffin is going to be very important. Hopefully, he's going to be healthy going to camp. I, I'm very curious to see him. And I'm very curious to see Jalen Johnson. He's going to be important, again, because of that lack of depth that I mentioned. And But look at his frame. The kid is 6'8", 220. And A.J. Griffin's 6'6", 220. So we got some physically NBA body-ready guys with that are young on his team that – there are going to be uses for both of them. And look, on the Skyhawks last year, because of that athleticism, he dominated. 20 points per game in his 12 starts, 12 rebounds per game. Percentages were low, but to be expected because we knew jump shot needed to improve coming into the NBA. He was under 45% from the floor, poor as a three as a sorry, free throw shooter, but 37.5% from three, not bad. Not bad his first year. And I know coming into the league, he was not for his commitment maturity, which Nathan Millen said improved throughout the year. But the big things that Jalen Johnson will have to work on is defensively not fouling. Can you be trusted to be in the game and not foul? Okongu had that issue too, but he improved at it. But it came with minutes in playing games. David Millen may not have a choice but to play Jalen Johnson. The only way he's going to improve is to play games. But try not to foul and become a more efficient player offensively. You know we, we know you have the gifts to be a really good offensive player. Your athletic is all get out. You have the makings of a really good jump shot. You can shoot the three. Your athletic is all get out. You're great at rebounding. His improvement from year one to year two is going to be very important for the Hawks. As I said, if he can show maturity, great decision-making, improve efficiency, and keeping your hands to yourself defensively, 
it may force Nate McMillan's hands to get him more NBA minutes, let him develop with this bench, with Gallo and Herter gone. You have Aaron Holiday, who I'm going to talk about a little bit shortly, who's going to be running the offense, is going to help you as far as looking for you to get you opportunities to score. And you have Bogey as well, who can create for others as well off the bench. And I think they're both going to help Griffin and Johnson improve offensively and assimilate offensively off the bench, get them some looks, and hopefully help them make an impact this year. But the Duke boys are going to be very important. And as much as it's on them to come into camp, be ready, continue to improve, and gain Nate McMillan's trust, Nate McMillan has to soften his heart, reevaluate his philosophy with what hopefully the work that we see these guys put in they say you know what what they're doing their skill set i have to put them on the floor i have to that's what we all hope for as people who are looking at the atlanta hawks who want to see them improve those are the five that i said are most important to the success for this hawks team this year as a review the duke boys who i just mentioned john collins and yaka okongu the coaching moves that were made in DeAndre Hunter. Honorable mention, I'm going to throw out Bogey, who obviously is currently hurt, but is supposed to be back by the start of the season. And we'll take some time to assimilate, but he's going to be crucial for the offensive uh, side of things off the bench. And Aaron Holley, as I mentioned, as a third string point guard for this team will be huge, especially early in the season with Bogey recovering, getting back into form at the start of the season. And as of late July, Bogey was back to running and jumping, which is a good sign. But Holiday, with, you know, being a point guard, doing the ball handling duties off the bench, being a smart player, defensive-minded, he knows Nate McMillan. Nate McMillan's coached him before for a couple seasons. He's known for making the right basketball plays. That's going to be crucial for a backup point guard. He's going to be very important for the Hawks early in the season as Bogey gets back in the form. But that is the episode this year. I'm really excited for camp to roll out to see what this coaching staff that Stunson shuffling around is going to do. What's going to be Kyle Corver's impact, which I didn't mention this episode. The improvement from the young guys, Hunter, Jalen Johnson, what A.J. Griffin is going to be day one. Are we going to use John Collins? I mean, Oyeka Tongu's improvement. Some big things coming up outside of just how are Murray and Trey Young are going to, you know, assimilate, which is going to be another episode that we're going to talk about that. And we'll try to get a guest for that one. But if you love what you heard today. Give us five stars. Give us a good review. Share it and tell everybody about one of the hottest new podcasts covering the Atlanta Hawks. You know the drill. Share with fellow Hawks fans, NBA fans, basketball fans, Georgia sports fans. Doesn't matter. Put them on to us here at Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks. Follow us on Twitter at Ethos Hawks on Twitter. That is at Ethos Hawks on Twitter. Then follow myself on Twitter, Brad Jarrett67. That's Brad J-A-R-R-E-E-T-6-7 on Twitter. We will catch you next time. We're going to talk a little bit more about what the Hawks need to do this year to hopefully get past the first round, win more than one game in the first round, and continue to move the needle forward while we have these players here in Atlanta. 
I'll catch you next time. God bless you guys. Stay safe out there. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.